0: Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jodi Harrison-Bauer. Jodi used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jodi will help you to live your best life ever.
1: Now, here's your host, Jodi Harrison-Bauer. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer, and it is such a pleasure to have you join me once again, everybody around the world who listens in every week. And thank you for reaching out to me and leaving messages and leaving reviews and and sharing it with your friends. I really, really appreciate it. I love to hear from you and would love to always know what you want to hear from me and from my guests. because. I make a huge effort to find things that are interesting to me because I think they'll be interesting to you. So, And today's guest is going to be super fascinating, and I can't wait to share his knowledge with you because every week that I come on the air, I want to educate, entertain, empower, and inspire you. That's a lot, right? But that is the goal here, and I think we'll be able to do it today, don't you think, Dan?
2: I mean, that's the goal, right?
1: That's, that's always the goal. Yes. So I just want to remind you and thank you again to rate, review, subscribe, all those things you need to do on Apple and Spotify. Please do that. Um, send me an email. Um, love, love to hear from you. And as you all know, I've been talking about Sakara since January. I decided when I turned 60 at the end of December, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm going to be 61. Um, then I decided to go more plant-based and I found this company, Sakara, that's S-A-K-A-R-A.com. And they create and deliver plant-based meals to my home. Now you don't have to do that. You can try their other products like the metabolism powder and their metabolism bar. And now they have these nuts that are delicious also, but everything is plant-based. And I had no idea how to create plant-based meals, but I knew that I wanted to do that. So if you want to try it, I have a code to save you 20% off on your first purchase. So go to Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot Use my code Jody to save 20% on your first purchase. They have a detox program. It's great. Um, please let me know if you try it and what you think of it, because I love it. And I only talk about things that I love. So as you heard from my guest, he's already here Dan fail. Thank you so much for coming and being a guest on fearlessly authentic today.
2: I'm more than happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah. You are just you, when we met like online, it, not weirdly online but when we met in you know when like you not know, creep- right no i'm yeah, so right right um, and we were in a facebook group together i think we're still in that group together and i just completely fell in love with your energy your message everything about you, we've chatted privately and I really, really love what you do. And I want to share with my audience what exactly you do before we get into the nitty gritty here. And because I'm going to be 61 soon, I am going to put on my glasses. Um, okay, so Mr. Dan fail is an accomplished storyteller and international speaker, having worked for 15 years on college campuses, advocating for safe and positive student experiences Dan now travels the country as a full-time speaker and consultant, engaging audience in hard but needed conversations. Dan shares personal stories that engage and inspire us to be our authentic selves and be brave enough to have the conversations that matter. Welcome again, Dan. Um, what brought you to to do something like this? What, what was the impetus to Talk to students across the country and share your story, inspire them, educate, empower them, and, and, and create keynote speeches that will help change their lives and, you know, just change the, their course because, especially now with, with what happened with COVID and so on. So, where did this all begin?
2: Um, oh, it's like an origin story. Okay, here we go. Uh, let me see. So, here's the fun thing: is that when I you like origin
1: a, stories. Right? <laughs> when,
2: when you ask a professional speaker, like, tell us a little bit. It's hard to be okay. succinct. So, I will do my best in the. Okay. Room. Thank you. Um, so one of the things working on a college campus, I often used to have to give a lot of presentations to students, and specifically, I worked with fraternities and sororities and student organizations for well over a decade. And when you have to give presentations on risk management, uh, social justice, uh, you know, or if it's the, Hey, here's the new policy that's rolling out all of that. Like there's nothing there that screams, this is exciting. And so I would always try to find ways in my job to make the mundane topic or the hard topic, more relatable, more fun. And I became pretty good at it so much so that I had a friend of mine who worked at a university uh, I mean about 45 minutes away, but because I live in LA, it's only like three miles. Um, but he invited (laughs) me up to speak to his students and said, Hey, can you just empower them and give them some good skills and we'll pay you. And in that moment I was like, you're going to like, this isn't just like help me move and get some free pizza and beer. Like you're going to actually pay me, pay me. And that really set my journey of a side hustle. For almost 10 years, to say, like, well, I'm going to continue to work on my camp on the college campuses, and I'll also like do some side speaking. And then, really, what kind of led me to the full time aspect and component of it, I worked in a, I I took a job at a university and I worked in a cubicle. I realized I can't thrive in a cubicle. Uh, I'm not, I'm not cut out for cubicle life. Uh, I knew that in college when I was like, I don't want to go into business because I don't want to be in a cubicle. And then I took a job in a cubicle. And I was like, nope, nope, not it. And so I've been doing this for almost five years of, of full time. And I think one of the things that continues to, I guess, inspire me is the fact that I believe that I can make a difference. I believe that the message that the messages that I have can help save a life, can help someone not feel alone, can help people feel uh that it's okay to be vulnerable and connected and share their own stories. And I think that we can do that in a way that isn't awkward. I think we can do this in a way that is fun. And and that's the approach that I continue to do. And so, you know, I, I'm joining from a hotel room because I'm on the road for 12 days and I've got wow. seven keynotes to give. And so um right, like it sounds exhausting, but oh I love it. It's so like it because it's great, um, and that's just something that when a student comes up afterwards and is like, "Hey, my friend was in a situation similar to yours," or uh, "Hey, I think I have some problems here. Can you help me with my coping skills?" That's that's power. There, that's that's a changed life. And I, you know, as cheesy as this might sound, it's a disservice for if I stopped, in my opinion. And so I want to keep that going because if it can inspire some change, and to do that, why wouldn't I?
1: I um, I completely agree with you. We don't realize the impact of our experiences and how we can help others through that. We've all heard the message, Our mess is our message, right? And like anything, when you say it too often, it loses its meaning. And but in most cases, if we could articulate what we've gone through, how we have overcome that obstacle, and how we can help others. I truly believe that it is a disservice if we can't share that with other people. And I know for me, being a coach for over 30 years, I would do it without getting paid. It is nice to be paid for something I love to do, but the cherry on top, the reason you keep doing it, right, is because of what you just mentioned. Hey, I need help with that, or I really resonated with your story, or your story is going to help me help a friend.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's really amazing. So one of the stories, one of the things that I really wanted to delve into today was the um, the whole the whole idea between about not believing the lie, stop believing the lie uh, that you do a keynote speech. At, you know you've been you've been doing that for a couple of years now right mm-hmm. because yep. so many people and we and it's talked about on social media all the time but i think people forget and and you know we talked about this in our conversation before the show that the students have gone through so much in the past 2 years that one of the things that you mentioned to me that really i remembered i remember sharing it with a lot of people afterwards that The kids that came on as freshmen missed so much. Now they're juniors or seniors, I believe. I can't remember if that's correct. And then you've got the kids coming on as freshmen that really lost their junior year. And so everybody's kind of lost. So if you could speak upon that for a few minutes about how kids are dealing with that, what seems to be the issues there?
2: Yeah. And and it's fascinating. When you really break it down, it's so... uh it's it's fascinating and it's troubling and it's navigating the like new normal what was normal and was normal even working to begin with so like there's right. that we'll put that aside for another <laughs> another day i think on our end when you think about it so well, working with college students we sent home some of these you know freshmen from college campuses and they didn't even finish their freshman year so anything that might have happened in uh, march or april uh, or for the quarter schools may or june they didn't get to experience that. So they were ready for a freshman year of college and then they didn't get to finish. And then most colleges and universities were shut down for another year. And maybe some of them started to come back. Now, then you have people who have been gone from freshman year. They've missed their sophomore year because it was online. And maybe they're just now back as juniors they've they've missed the in-person friendships, what it's like to be you know in person for a classroom again, uh, what it's like to be in social settings again because maybe we ha- weren't able to live with friends, we had to move home. Uh, and on top of that, If you think backwards to high school you had juniors and seniors who missed the junior senior year experience prom maybe it was the 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 track meet maybe it was right like those formative varsity years of sports if they played sports i don't play sports so i don't know um but like in those moments they missed a lot of those transformative experiences with their friends because everything was virtual or shut down or or name it and so now all of a sudden this fall fall 21 We have this massive influx of freshmen, sophomores, and juniors who really don't know or remember how to to fully function effectively when it comes to uh, time management, when it comes to prioritizing what one thing is over another. And they're trying to make up, some are making up for lost time socially, in which case there's a lot that either wasn't taught or wasn't fully engaged because if I'm living at home with my parents... I don't really have to talk about risky behaviors or coping skills because I'm at home with my parents. And so I'm not out there, you know, exploring and, 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 and figuring out my boundaries. So we have this massive group of, of students coming to campus, in essence, for the first time in a couple of years, a year and a half or so, um, really trying to not only test their own limits and boundaries, but understanding what functioning again looks like.
1: Right. That seems overwhelming. And that's when I'm grateful that my daughters are much older. And I really feel for the parents who have children these ages, you know, and I do have a bunch of friends that do have children those ages. They seem to be doing okay, but you know, it's on a a different, you know, basis for each person. So so
2: like, but let me unpack that real quick. They seem to be doing okay.
1: I'm glad you're saying something. That
2: uh, is worrisome. Because I think too often we are just okay or we are just fine. And so when, because again, this comes back to like the vulnerability of sharing when you're not okay, or the vulnerability of, um, hey, I'm having a rough time. And then either getting gaslit of like, well, everyone's having a hard time. It's a pandemic. Okay. That's not helpful. And so being just okay, it's okay to be okay. But there's always something more that people might want to share or might not want to share. And I think it's our responsibility to uh, set ourselves and our friend groups up for better success, of uh, connecting and just like expanding on that of but how are you really? And so in one of my one of my presentations, my openings the one of my opening slides is, "How are you feeling today?" And then it's just the like, Okay. It's just some emojis, some of the basic emojis. And then it's the, how are you really feeling today? And I think over the course of the last decade of giving that part of the presentation, I've seen a lot of students being like, yeah, I'm, I'm struggle. I'm struggle bus right now. And it's, it's a lot and it's overwhelming. And the words that they're using are worrisome in the sense of they're, they're using them correctly, but then it's the, I don't know what to do about it. And that's where I think we come into to not only figuring out and unpacking all those areas, but acknowledging, respecting that, and then saying, okay, well, what do you need?
1: How can I help? Right. Wow. That's pretty powerful. And it's something to definitely think about. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so with that said, you talk about imposter syndrome. So are you finding that the kids in college are are getting... Um, are having more of that imposter syndrome just based on what you just said, like I'm okay. Um, if you could explain that and what exactly you talk about and how you, how, what your message is.
2: Yes. Um, so here's the interesting part is that imposter syndrome, I think, has been around for decades upon decades. Um, originally, imposter syndrome was studied from women in high leadership roles, um, and it was a majority of white women in leadership roles at the time. And so obviously, that study is somewhat skewed when they start to branch out to different races, ethnicities, and and gender to say, oh, not just women in leadership roles, men in leadership roles, people of color in general and in leadership role. And so we started to realize that imposter syndrome, once people start to name it, it, it just opens our minds of like, oh my gosh, yes, that's what it is. And so I think we finally got into a term in society that imposter syndrome is starting to gain some traction of that's the feeling I have when I'm in front of my room uh, or in front of a, a room of my colleagues or my other you know, friends who are students or, or whatever of, I feel like I'm, why am I in this room? Why did I get elected? Why am I here? Am I, should I be here? Oh my God, I'm giving a presentation for class. Do I even know this content, even though I practiced for six months? Whatever that is, I think the, fam- the fact that we have a name for it is, is great. And there was a study done A couple of years ago that said 70% of the people um, suffer, quote unquote, suffer or have imposter syndrome at some point in their life. I'm of the opinion that the other 30% just didn't know it was called imposter syndrome. Because I think at some point in time, we all feel that way. We just don't talk about it because in the age of social media, we are seemingly having to be perfect and there's no room for imperfections. And so... We hide those feelings of not being enough, and I think you know scholars and researchers like Brene Brown are starting to finally bring to light a lot of these concepts of vulnerability and authenticity and imposter syndrome, and so that's I think that's why we're seeing people talk about it more, which is so refreshing that we're having these conversations.
1: Do you feel that the conversations that you hear on social media are helpful, or do you feel that some of them that you've listened to um, maybe make it worse? Or, I know, just be honest with
2: me. uh, You know, I I I was actually just on a coaching call earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And so here's my thought. I think sometimes those that are closest to us, our friends and our family, mean well. But when we have a success that we share, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's cool. And, And then we feel like, well, but I thought that that was a good win. And then we just retreat back into our little cocoon. Uh, to hide. That
1: sounds like um, me. I do that.
2: Yeah, but I think I have a
1: win. And then my daughter calls me out and she goes, mom, that wasn't a big deal. And I'm like, oh, you know what?
2: Sometimes waking up on time when you want to (laughs) is the big deal. And that's okay. And I think, but like in those moments, sometimes we, we almost, you know, pardon the expression, but we we feel kind of crapped on. I didn't want to curse. So we feel like crapped on for that, uh, for this, this instance of like, well, I thought that that was a big win. However, we might be in a mastermind group, a coaching group, uh, or just around others that are entrepreneurs. So like, you know, I try to surround myself with, with other entrepreneurs because they understand this struggle, uh, and they often uplift of like, no, that was a good, like, great job. You, you know, like seven keynotes in 12 days. That's absolutely amazing. Whereas others are like, stop showing off. Like good for you. Okay, cool. Guess what? I'm okay. Not pleasing everyone. Yeah, And I I, I let that stuff go a while back. Um, Do I still have that tendency? Most definitely. I think we all do at some point. Uh, But I think celebrating our wins and finding those that also want to celebrate them is incredibly important. And social media has this weird dichotomy of you can get crapped on and uplifted at the same time, in some cases by the same person, and, you know, accidentally. I just like to not necessarily be in that that silo mentality of, I just want the positive people because that's not me. But I think finding those that do want to support and say like, hey, that was really cool. Good job.
1: Right. I mean, it's like real life almost uh, because you want to surround yourself. You have the choice to surround yourself with the people that you want to surround yourself with. We want to get rid of the negativity. We want to surround ourselves with people that uplift us and we can uplift them. But in real life... We're gonna have the the people that are gonna say, "Yeah, what you did wasn't so great. You're bragging too much." And then we just sort of, for me, and I'm wondering what you do. I just step away very slowly. I create some distance. Not it, it's not a dramatic creation. It's very slow and subtle uh, because you realize that that person, their aura, their energy is not serving us well in our life, right?
2: Whereas you might do that quietly. I do that not necessarily publicly, but my facial expressions are hard to control. And so I'm yes. the like, okay, then we'll just kind of back it on up <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> go from there. Because I don't, I also don't mind calling it out of like, that was a win for me. Mm-hmm. And, and it made me feel not great when you belittled what to you as a small win, but for me, was a big win. Um, and, and, and that's important. I think that we, we help shift some of that narrative too, because some people might not know they do it.
1: And is that the advice you give in your keynote speech to colleges to what, what what exactly are maybe two or three of the things that you touch upon that you really want the students to to leave knowing?
2: there's a There's a few different ones. Um, so I'll give you like the Cliff's Notes version for those of us who are a little older um, <laughs> that remember Cliff's Notes. Um, Do they still the first have one- them. It, I, no, they're some called things? something else now. And I don't remember oh, what it okay. is, but it's a okay. similar version. They of
1: were it. the best. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, with the yellow and black stripes. Yep. I remember that. yep. um, that's how I made it through high school. Anyway, sorry, teachers. Um, so I think uh, the first one that I do is, um, so like, we'll do it for for anyone watching that, that wants to feel this, that wants to try this. Uh, it, we'll do a little activity here because I, I try to be as interactive as possible. Um, and so do me a favor and like raise your hand as high as you can. So if you were to just raise your hand, there you go. All right. But, but like, but as high as you can,
1: I'm going high,
2: but why are you not standing up? Why are you not then maybe like even trying to get higher? Where's the step stool? Again, like Uh. I said, raise your hand as high as you can. And too often because we're so comfortable, we're just going to raise it with where we are because we think that that's the limit. All limitations are self-imposed. So if I'm going to be just a speaker, does that mean I can't be anything else? Mm. If I'm just a worker, if I'm just a dad or a parent, or if I'm just this, all limitations are self-imposed. So, being able to break through that uh, almost belief is going to be incredibly important. Another point that I give is if you spell out the word believe, B-E-L-I-E-V-E, in the middle of the word believe, is the word lie. Mm. And that's the interesting part about, uh, for those that do, you know, mindfulness or mindset work, I was one of those people that I just kind of was like, that's all hippie bippy, like boobly boo, woo woo stuff. I don't need it. Guess who now journals on a daily basis? uh, And I just started this month. So like work in progress, (laughs) but I am
1: still working on it on a daily basis too.
2: You know, and, and, and I'm, I I realized that I need prompts. And so I signed up for daily um, gratitude prompts just to help me get in that zone. But but, so when I, when I talk about the word believe part of that comes back to, there's a lot of stuff that we end up believing. That's just not true. And that kind of comes back to the self limitations. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, for, for a long time, for the first couple of years of full-time speaking, and this was only, you know, five years ago of full-time speaking, I was like, well, I'm just a speaker. I'm so much more than just. And so I would tell myself that I'm just a speaker, or I just do college campuses, or I just do this one keynote. I've got some really good messages, and they're, I'm decently entertaining, for college students, you know, I tell some really good dad jokes that, that are grown worthy puns. I'm okay with all of this because it's all who I am. So I'm not just anything, but the lie that I would believe is that I was just this, that or the other. And so what are those lies that we often uh, either tell ourselves that we often, you know, end up just becoming part of our standard narrative while well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in this relationship and this is all, this is the, the best that it'll happen because that's all that I'm worthy of or you know, here's where I am and I'm going to keep some of my truth to me because I don't want to upset anybody else. That's a little bit of, of shielding ourselves. And that's a lie that we tell ourselves of, I don't want to show up fully because then I might lose some friends. Mm. Well, if you show up fully and lose some friends, it's okay. Kiss them goodbye. Marie Kondo them out of your life, whatever you need to do. <sighs> but we need God to stop believing those little lies and we need to believe that we are more capable than, 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 than we know. And I think one of the other ones that I love to do is, um, really getting them to understand vulnerability and the role that vulnerability has in not only connecting us as human beings, but really making sure that, that we show up for ourselves just, you know, a a little bit better. So quick activity, uh, we'll do this again. So like cross your arms. So like for a lot of my audiences, they cross their arms because they don't want to be there or like in a meeting that could have been an email, right? So cross your arms. Okay, great. Now, okay. uncross them, shake them out a little bit. Now cross them the other way.
1: Okay. Oh, that was right? weird. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, great. You even said it. I was going to say, how does that feel? <laughs> and for <laughs> anyone doing that activity, like I've heard it feels weird. It feels uncomfortable. It feels unnatural. Yes. It feels like I don't, I don't like And then people are like, oh, I don't like it. And then some people by the end of the hour are like, right, left, which one did I do? And so some are like, oh, it just feels completely natural. Here's the interesting part. I asked you to do the exact same thing. I say, cross your arms, now cross them again. And I ask you to just tweak it a little bit. That's what change feels like. That's what vulnerability feels like. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable, but once you do it more, it's like a muscle that you have to exercise, right? And then you know this in terms of the fitness world, you have to continue to exercise and tone that muscle. So that's what we need to do is to get comfortable in sharing a little bit more. Because once we share, we connect. When we connect, we become better people and humans to each other. And I think a lot of... Our, our issues in the world and society could really be solved if we actually treated people like human beings rather than us, them, rather than me, you. It really comes back to can we connect and can I see you and be with you? Those are those moments that I think we, we want, but we just don't know how to grasp.
1: Those are really strong messages, really, really strong messages. Um, the vulnerability, I think, really hits home. Um, To me, it does, but I think the vulnerability probably hits home to a lot of kids in college who have this, what you discussed as this shield up and, you know, no, not me. I don't want to cross my arms a different way or whatever it is, because so many of us um, are afraid to change Mm -hmm. and we don't want to be vulnerable because if we're vulnerable, we might get our feelings hurt, right? Right. And that hurts a lot. And we remember that because we've all had our feelings hurt at some point or another by different people. And we just, you know, as soon as even saying that, my heart hurts. So um, we have to take a break. We're going to go back. We're going to finish up talking about this with Dan Fail. Stay with us. We'll be back in about a minute. And with Dan Fail. Be right back.
0: Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeart Radio or on Apple Podcasts on fearlessly authentic Jody talks about mental and physical well-being and the key to both starts with proper nutrition the Jody Fit Jumpstart meal plan was created to help your body feel better whether your goal is to lose weight gain muscle or just feel lighter and more energetic following this meal plan can help you get there the Jody Fit Jumpstart meal plan is a 21 day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The JodyFit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there Are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodiharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodiharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I'm with Dan Fail, and we are talking about... Well, we were talking about vulnerability and imposter syndrome. We're going to get into a few other things, um, but I want to Fish talking about vulnerability and how important it is for us to allow ourselves to be in that state, to maybe fail, which is a really scary thing. Um, but I know being in the fitness industry in many ways, physically and mentally, you cannot succeed. You cannot grow a muscle without going to failure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, that's my mindset for life, even though I don't ever like to fail at anything. um, But but I know that I have failed and with each failure has brought me success, you know, soon afterwards. So vulnerability, how does that work in what you do and how much, what do you you leave your students with what kind of message regarding vulnerability?
2: I mean, so if you grow up with the last name fail, and become a speaker, and don't have a keynote or talk about failure, and right. all you've done is like live up to that last name. And so, I, um, I I I do try to discuss this concept of failure because we've all failed thousands upon thousands of times in our life, right? Like no one was born able to walk. We we all fell down, we got back up again. And now here we are, no one was, you know, like the, the skills that we have, like we had to learn to write. We had to, and then once we mastered the, you know, the alphabet, then they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, try cursive. (laughs) My, like, if I actually tried to do legitimate cursive outside of just my signature, which is like cursive ish, like, it looks like a third grader. It looks like me and my son wrote the same paragraph in cursive. It is bad. Um, But like it, those failures we've done so often, and then all of a sudden, we stop trying to do new things. I loathe, not love, loathe the quote. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? You're going to fail. Like, you're going to fail. Everyone in life has failed. And so, it. it and it's just, it's shocking to me because I feel like we need to do it's not like a do more, do better, be more, and, and all of this. It's just be you. And in some cases, we feel like we're failing at even just being ourselves. Mm. But here's what I will do: I would rather uh, fail with integrity than to succeed in mediocrity.
1: Oh, I love that! And, sorry,
2: like, Did you just would, make that up? No, I, I, it's one of my like little things that I talk that I say in my in my quotes or. Can you whatever. say it again? I would rather fail with integrity than su- to succeed than to succeed with mediocrity.
1: That is amazing. That is, I, I want to use that. That is a great quote. By all uh, means.
2: Mm, um, yeah. And so like, because in, in, in my, right, in my thought pattern for that is, if I fail with integrity, then I know I tried. Then I know I'm going to pick myself up. Then I know I'm going to learn I will learn from that failure. Now where vulnerability and failure come into play side by side is that if I fail at something and then share that with the world, along with my lessons learned, others can try, they can also fail, but then they feel comfortable sharing that failure.
1: Hmm.
2: And that shows us that people aren't perfect. That shows us that it's okay to not like feel like you need to have this facade. You can take off the mask that we put on every single day of I'm fine, right? Like well, you can actually show up in a different capacity. And sometimes that's really just in terms of that vulnerability piece, it's asking people, hey, what did you learn from this mistake? That's one of my favorite interview questions that I would ask candidates. What's a time that you absolutely bombed a program, a presentation, uh, a whatever, and, and what did you learn from it? How did that make you a better professional? or better
1: And you person? ask, and why do you ask that question?
2: I want to see that number one, that they can, that they've acknowledged failure. And because those that are like, well, I haven't really, like, I haven't really, I wouldn't say I've failed at anything. Okay, great. I don't need that. I don't need that in my work Next. environment. I'm good. Right? Like check. It's a pleasure talking with you. Uh, there's the door. Uh, because I want people who are going to try. And some of the staff that I, when I was a, a campus employee and, and had some of my staff, I would, I, at least I think in my brain, right? In my own uh, recollection, I would say like, if you want to try something, like, let's try it. I get energized about trying new things. I'm revamping my website with, with someone right now. Uh, and I told her, she was like, was well, there anything that you'd like to do? I said, let me flip that on you. Is there anything you would like to do? What is the harebrained thing that you think would be really fun or cool on a speaker's website? Mm. I'm down to try it. When I was with another agency, uh, speaking agency, I told the marketing guy, I was like, let's just try some harebrained stuff. I'm, I'm done. I can't talk about failure and not try new things. That's have called you ever, hypocrisy. Have you,
1: have you always been like this?
2: No. Um, I think for the better part of my life, <laughs> I think I just, you didn't own it. I think I hid behind uh, either, you know, my my theater work in high school. I think I hid behind uh, just the like I'm good, I got it right. Like I'm six two, I've got a big commanding presence and a booming voice and all that. So I, you can't tell because I'm sitting down. Um,
1: (laughs) People think I'm like five ten. You, I will. You do look tall in your photos. I'm, (laughs) I'm all. I'm not even five one. Shut your mouth. Okay. No, I'm I appreciate you influ- sharing well, that. Yeah. Wow. That's so funny. We just, blown, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so I would tower over you. Uh, in yes. So, but I think like when we, when we talk about those, those failures and, and even looking back at my life, I went through it all, but I never shared them. Right. Like, and then I internalized it all and be like, oh man, like that wasn't good. I'm not really, I'm not really cut out for this. Am I cut out for this? Do I really want to do this with my life? where am I going with my life? Oh God, my life's half up. O- I'm at another, I just turned 40. What am I doing? Holy crap. Right. And I think we have those moments and that's, I think where failure and imposter syndrome come in because mm-hmm. if we internalize failure, then we, we, all we're doing is saying like, we're not good enough when we show up in different, in different places. Cause we've internalized it for so long. I think my own dream. Journey- right, I'm going to have
1: you say that again, when we internalize fear, cause do you mm-hmm. remember what you just said? I have
2: no clue. Sometimes it's just. Okay. <laughs> All i
1: right. We'll I'll have to listen to it on the repeat because I have to show that it was really good.
2: I'll make that. I'll make that. I'll stitch it onto a pillow. Um, okay. Once <laughs> I re-listen to it. But it, it, again, I do think that by acknowledging the failure and sharing it, we become more vulnerable and by becoming more vulnerable, we do become more connected, but vulnerability is hard. Um, which is fascinating because, you know, and, and I'm so thankful for for scholars, again, like Brene Brown, uh, that that have really kind of opened up the door for us to talk about vulnerability more, especially as men. And, and that's something that I wish that we could do more. And so, that's why I love what I do for college students. Um, and so, like last night when I was at a campus speaking, it was supposed to be an all-male audience. And then all of a sudden, women started to show up too, and it Mm -hmm. literally, the keynote is called redefining Superman. And it's this concept of masculinity and looking at it. And I talk about vulnerability in those moments. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) I jokingly share, you know, different stories about what it meant to be, to grow up and have different role models. And originally I'm from North Carolina. So I'm from the South and you're supposed to be this gentleman and stoic. And, you know, men are only allowed to have like two emotions, like it's stoicism or anger. Uh, And then you can express them uh, in sports So you can be like angry at sports and then that's it. And and there's so much more to us. Everyone has layers. Everyone has, you know, different cross sections of identities that come out. And for us to be able to be vulnerable, we have to be willing to try. And that means we also have to be safe. So we have to feel safe enough. So hopefully in, in student organizations, in families, you know, there's a safety component to that of regardless of what you share, I'm here for you. One of my one of my closest friends, James, uh, who's a, another speaker, James Robolata, um, and he also does authenticity through leadership and vulnerability and leadership. Um, and when I was going through my divorce several years ago, I remember kind of venting to him, and he said the most powerful thing that has ever and it still sticks with me. Dan, how do you need how do you need me to show up for you right now? Mm. Do you need just the friend? Do you need someone that's just going to listen? Do you need a coach? Do you need someone who's going to kick you in your ass and say, like, do work? And I was like, gosh, I don't even know, because no one's ever asked me that. They just kind of show up how they think they want to show up. And I said, well, I want you to do all four, because I trust you, because we've known each other for a while. But that level of safety also allowed him to ask that question, but allowed me to just open up even more.
1: That's, that's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I just recently said that to a good friend of mine. What do you need from me? How do you need me to show up for you? And she responded, wow, thank you. Nobody's ever asked me that before. And I thought, wow, I didn't even, I mean, I love this person to death. So whatever she needed from me, I was going to do, but it, Mm -hmm. it almost made us feel closer because of that moment. And you're right, that feeling safe, whether it's in a romantic relationship or, or in school, or wherever it is, um, you know, you're not going to try new sex moves with a partner that you don't feel safe with, right? Yeah. You you cool. can't be vulnerable there if you're not if you don't feel safe. That safety is so important in any type of relationship, work, business. business. Hundred percent.
2: Right. And so it, this is also that that vulnerability and honesty comes into play. So I was um, I'm about a. I guess almost, it's a little over a month now out of a very serious relationship, not my divorce. That was several years ago. Um, But I kind of dated, and this was one of the first people that I truly like loved again. Uh, And we had a very vulnerable conversation because I realized that I wasn't being fully truthful in the fact that like, I don't want more kids. I have two, I, and I needed to just be honest with her so that it wasn't this like, the conversation just gets harder, the more that you go. And we had only been dating for, for several months, uh, but it just got very good. And and it was a good fit Mm -hmm. all around. I realized I don't want more children. She was like, I want more, like I want children of my own. And that was a hard conversation to have, but I'm so number one, I'm so thankful for her and our ability to have the the adult hard conversation uh, of expectations But then also that ability to grow, both of us to grow and to sit in our, you know, and she even said this at one point, she was like, it was, it was good to stand in our truth. Mm, Right. And that's a good feeling to really kind of say like, and to, for me, it was an epiphany of, oh, if I wanted more kids, I could have more kids. No, I don't, you know, and I don't want more. And that was a, a good, stunning realization for me of personal growth, but then also in that relationship. But I couldn't have had that conversation if I also didn't have that feeling of, Regardless of the outcome, and it wasn't a great outcome because we broke up. Right. But regardless right. of that outcome, we were we were truthful. We were mm-hmm. vulnerable. We held each other, and we cried, and we have mourned. And you know, I think that over time we'll continue to kind of like you know engage with each other as friends, and and coaches, and speakers, and things. But um, I think that's one where the growth is important, and that's a it's a, an amazing piece. But that's where vulnerability comes into play. And that's just a, a romantic example of, of of building that honesty and, and having that vulnerability. I think when we talk about vulnerability, our stories are important and that's how we need to connect. And, and again, that's why I do what I do.
1: And one of the things, one of the other, um, I know you have a lot of keynote speeches, but one of the ones that is another very powerful one that you shared with me is a night to forget and I wanted you to share, you know, that kind of ties into the vulnerability and, and, and about what we talked about at the beginning of the show, new kids coming on campus, relationships, consent, alcohol, if you can give me, you know, just tell us a little bit about what, what the message is there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Um So the keynote itself is called A Night to Forget, and it's about the intersection of alcohol and consent, or blackouts and sex, or whatever the the campus really truly needs me to focus on. I I myself am a sexual assault survivor. Uh, In college, I got blacked out drunk. Uh, Apparently, I gave consent and was filled in on that evening's festivities at a later date. Without going into too much detail, um, uh, I you know, after, and after talking with the, with the woman, uh, she was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had like, you were just, you, you were fine. You were talking, the conversations were, you know, like mm-hmm. she was like, you were enthusiastically giving consent. And I was like, that also sounds right and accurate, <laughs> but like, I don't remember any of it. And so that's when I realized after studying a little bit more in grad school that I, I, I am a functional blackout. Meaning that I could completely get absolutely obliterated, but you would never really know because I'm not slurring my words. I'm not stumbling. Uh, I'm literally functioning. I'm just not creating any memories. And so with that keynote, what I try to do is number one, this, it's a hard topic. That's a hard subject and a hard topic to talk about. Right. One of the things that I do, and it's a 60 to 75 minute keynote, depending on the audience. Uh, Sorry, but, I'm
1: asking you to, to tell it in like three minutes, you know.
2: No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, and so I'll try to, you know, again, condense, but I spend the first roughly 20 minutes, 30 minutes just trying to bond and connect with the audience through my stories. So I, you know, like I'll jokingly tell about who I was coming into college and this absolute big nerd in Hawaiian shirts. And I didn't own flip-flops that were cool. I didn't own the rainbow flip-flops. So I was literally in like the calf length athletic socks. Cause I didn't know about crew cut socks, right? Like I was a big <laughs> dork. Uh, and you know, I, so I joke about like how I was coming into college. And then I joke about, you know, my first time having sex and how awkwardly great that that was. Cause it was a woman that I loved, but then we broke up and it, it broke my heart and I shattered. And then my coping mechanism became alcohol. Mm. And so then I just wanted to become the life of the party and I stopped caring and I created this like barrier around my emotions and my heart to not feel. So part of the you know subliminal message that I give to the audiences is coping skills and coping mechanisms, positive and negative. I went into the negative coping skills. I had a friend of mine as that break, as that broke up, or excuse me, as the breakup happened, I'm falling apart. I'm bawling on the porch. And my friends, like my roommate was like, Hey man, you like, are you good? Like, do you want to go to the gym? I was like, when have you seen me in the gym? Like, this is not (laughs) a thing that I do, but as guys, it's like, this is going to be uncomfortable. Do you just want to get drunk instead? Yes, that's fine. So I talk about coping skills and then really, you know, I talk about an awkward time that I had sex and it was just a super awkward encounter. But I also then plant the coping skill and the alcohol setting. Then I talk about that third time when, again, I wasn't learning my lesson of of blacking out. I was just in college thinking that I was having a good time. And so then in that moment, it really shifted a lot of my approach. And I didn't learn that full lesson at the time of maybe I should stop drinking to excess as much. And maybe that's part of the issue, but the environments that we create also influence what happens. So if we can create better and safer environments, meaning we're being more understanding about those who are attending parties and how much they're consuming. Do you control who's coming into your party? Do you know who's there? Have you vetted them all? Um, So I think that there's some, some pieces along the line. So it's like a Hansel and Gretel of, coping skills. I also, you know, I make fun of, of what we look like when we are drunk dancing, because if you ever want good humor, watch drunk people dance. Uh, and then I also talk about what alcohol does to the body, right? So like, I because no one goes out to say, well, I'm just going to go out to like, just let me get to a 0.06 tonight. You know, 0.06, shoulder tap me, I'm good, I'm done. We don't do that. And so I try to give those, hey, when you start slurring your words, or when you start talking in cursive, right? Like how do you like right. know that that's when you should stop? And so we go through all that, but then I also discuss the campus definition of consent. And then I try to give the relatable definitions of consent. Cause I think that we've really, um, we've we've talked down to, or we've tried to do this approach of abstinence with with consent and with alcohol and with everything and abstinence messages don't work. We need yeah. relatable content for that. Right. And, right. And, so, and that's where I try to expand upon consent is like ordering a pizza. What do you want? What do you not want? Or it's like going to the movies. For me, I love a good comedy or action movie. I don't like horror movies at all. Or like if I go to the movies and let's say you and I go to the movies together and I'm like, what kind of popcorn do you like? And you're like, I'm not going to eat popcorn. I'm like, great. I want butter to clog my arteries. That's how much (laughs) butter I want on my popcorn. That is a consent conversation of, oh, you don't want popcorn. Okay, cool. Then I'll have some. Uh, but like I'll order it my way. But if I'm going to order it my way and you're like, I don't want any butter on it, then I also know that we're not going to date each other. <laughs> but at the same time, knowing that consent can be that easy, we've just made it a complicated subject. And then I also talk about how we can show up for each other and one another when someone does disclose that they are a survivor or that they think something has happened. Because those moments of, how can I show up for you right now? What do you need from me right now? Rather than like, oh, that didn't happen and just gaslighting them or well, it's your fault for getting too drunk. None of that is helpful. And so mm-hmm. how do we show up for one another is so incredibly important. Then I also try to give some bystander intervention skills. So it's a lot of stuff in that moment, but I, I can't just talk about consent. I can't just talk about alcohol because on a college campus, they're so intertwined so often uh, and even in adult settings, that, that we need to have these conversations more.
1: That makes sense. It's very complicated. It's not simple. You can't just dumb it down. Yes, you could really, really, really dumb it down, but you really can't if you're really trying to teach these kids mm-hmm. so they walk away with something that they can grasp and they could use. So I wanted to ask you if there were a few tips that you can give our listeners based on all of the things that we talked about, tips, advice. Yeah. Something that you've learned that has helped you teach students along the way, um, what can you share with our listeners?
2: Um, I'd say the first one is really own who you are. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to uh, fumble through vulnerability. It's okay to still be like, I don't know what I want to be. My, my grandfather still alive, uh, over 80 years old. My grandfather will joke and be like, I don't, he still says, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. That's okay. You don't have to figure out everything. We've planted in of like, declare your major when you're a junior in high school. Like, are you kidding me? I changed my major in in college. Uh, You know, and I think that freedom to continue to grow. I was just a campus professional for 15 years. Oh my gosh. Have I closed myself off to so many other opportunities because I was just. So own who you are. And if you don't know, therapy is great. Highly recommend I uh, wasn't going to give that tip, but like, please do that. Thank you. In fact, Thank you. I know with Kaiser right now, so I'm a Kaiser user. Uh, they've waived all online fees for therapy. So I've not actually paid for one of my sessions. I mean, I pay for, for Kaiser as an insurance company, but like, I've not paid for my online sessions because they've waived them all because of the pandemic.
1: Oh, everybody. Kaiser, Guess who goes okay. weekly?
2: Boom. Wow. Right. Like look no. into that. You're welcome. Um, I think the other one is, is when we talk about believe. So too often, again, we we sell ourselves short, and so can you make a wins list. So I go. I used to go to bed complete, you know, feeling completely defeated and unaccomplished because I was like so busy, but I don't know if I was productive. And so, um, really, about a year ago, started to make a list of every day when I'd go to bed. In fact, my phone at 10 p.m. shuts down and said the notes feature will be the only thing that opens up. And so I make a daily wins.
1: Wait, what did I win today? how do you you just shut everything down and then there's a
2: feature on, and it's an iPhone. So there's a feature where you can set like the bedtime routine. And so um, in order to open the phone, it provides to, or you can set however many different apps you want it to open. So I have it to set to open that specific tab of the notes or headspace. And so I have it to open one of the two and I can just click on it. And then It'll open up to that and then I can just like close out and go to whatever I want. But that's where I, I, I like it. to do that because it gets me in that habit. At the end of the day, I go to bed feeling more accomplished of like, oh, I did get some good stuff done today and then move that forward because then I wake up ready to have more wins. Right. And so that win can be a daily win. You can do lifetime wins. They don't have to be these big, grandiose lifetime wins. Sometimes it can just be like, I left a full-time job, which was scary as hell to go on my own and I'm loving it. Love it. That can be a, a good win. And then I think probably the one of the last one, because I know I run out of time, um, I would say that vulnerability is a strength.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so for us, you know, just like for those who go to the gym, I think that you know, men struggle with this a little bit more because it's like, oh, it's mental health. All right. Well, let's, maybe we can consider it like mental fitness or emotional fitness. And so I was talking with another um, men's coach, and we came up with this concept of just like when you're at the gym and you're going to lift something really heavy, you need a spotter. You need someone who's going to be there for you just in case you lift something too heavy and you can't, you can't finish. What if we had emotional spotters, vulnerability spotters that helped us because it is a strength. It is not a weakness. And so how do we really own the fact that, you know, we can have someone there that's going to be like, go on, please share. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to run away based off what you share with me.
1: Oh, I love, love, love that. Love that. Love it. Um, Thank you so much for these. These are are great things and I'm going to put them. I I really have to, uh, the best time for me to think is before I go to bed because if my mind is racing and I don't write it down, then I can't fall asleep. So Mm -hmm. I love all the advice that you gave us. And the last question that I wanted to ask you before we go is what does it mean to you to be fearlessly authentic? You have one minute to answer that. Oh gosh, okay. Fearlessly authentic
2: (laughs) to me is to, step into your own light is Mm -hmm. to own your truths, but to also explore those truths with not necessarily a healthy disregard, but to really own the fact of like, I don't have it all figured out and let's roll, like let's go. And to be fearless in that realm is so incredibly important.
1: Thank you so much, Dan. This has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. I knew I would love it. I knew that you would give us so much great information to take away from the show. Um, How can everybody reach you?
2: Danfail.com. D-A-N-F-A-I-L-L.com.
1: And on Instagram and Facebook, same, the thing. same thing. Turns out not many
2: Dan fails in the world.
1: <laughs> no, no. Thank you so, so much, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for Fearlessly Authentic. I uh, would love to hear from you and go out there and have a fearlessly authentic life. Bye, everybody.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.